Welcome to Mechanical Freak. We're broadcasting live from a clandestine location somewhere deep in the heart of District 3 in a prematurely sunny Seattle, Washington. That city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today. Where we're, where we're surveilling the clubhouse of a cabal of crypto suburbanites solemnly performing a secret <laughs> rite by the flickering of flameless candlelight wherein a cloaked figure affixes a merit badge to the otherwise unadorned sash of another member in recognition of their achievement in placement of recall Swant yard signs. That's Beautiful. right. We're, we're back. It's Mechanical Freak. Uh, almost the whole gang is here. Brian and Munya are not here, but we do have a guest. Cassidy, will you do the honors? Yes. Hi, everybody. Um, so tonight we are joined by one of my favorite people, um, a, a fellow Taurus, uh, also a fellow campaign worker um, and union organizer, Vana. Hello, Vana. Hi. How's it going? It's good. I am broadcasting live from Hillman City in beautiful D2. Wow. Well, thank you for joining us. We have been. Yes, we've been so excited to have you on. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so stoked. I'm very honored. I was telling folks before, <laughs> like just every great, extremely online leftist, I do fancy myself a podcaster. Hell yeah. But never have had the opportunity to truly self actualize. So to be I'm the podcastee. Yeah. Exactly. I'm very mm-hmm. excited. Wow. You're in the right place. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we are very excited to have you. We've been wanting to do this for a long time because we're we're finally doing it everyone we're talking unions hell yeah from cassidy and vana we're gonna find out all about the new iupat 116 the political campaign nonprofit and allied workers union uh which you know we've been wanting to talk about since uh it was getting off the ground months ago but you know now it's really official so we get to hear all about it of course like we want to talk about other union stuff seems like there's really no news as of yet on how the uh Amazon Bessemer union vote went. So we'll have to hold out for that. But we might later in the episode hear a little bit about um, some interesting union machinations at PCC uh, here in Seattle. But first, I think we want to start out, you know, we want to find out the journey of how this union has come about. And but, you know, prior to that, even about how uh, Cassidy and Vana even got to this place themselves on their journey in campaign working and organizing um, with the caveat that, of course, one thing we we all want to hear about is Cassidy's <laughs> time on the Bernie campaign. Mm-hmm. Ooh, spicy. Um, you know, something we've, we've hinted at for a long time on this show. I tried to get her to come on in Iowa. <laughs> didn't know no, nothing doing. Uh, Blame it on the NDA, and, baby. You know, we've hinted, <laughs> we've hinted that there was some uh, organizing going on uh, behind the scenes in that campaign in Iowa. Uh, some wildcat stuff happening with uh, field organizers on the ground in Iowa in opposition to Bernie campaign management. And the thing is, we're going to skip all that today because Cassidy and I have already recorded an entire episode about exactly that for the Patreon this week, exclusive bonus content all about how uh, the Bernie campaign um, had like uh, some real management mindset and uh, was more interested in uh, getting rid of the 
like oh, the wildcat element of their campaign than actually uh, electing Bernie president um, and how ultimately um, Bernie lost because of Cassidy. (laughs) So that (laughs) you'll have to tune in on the Patreon. Uh, We have an episode, another episode every week that's that's there. Um, it's worth the there. sub this month, y'all. Like, I'm spilling a lot of tea. I was so. like, damn, I'm gonna subscribe for that. Good lord. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah. good one. Wow. So, um, but, you know, with that caveat that we're saving that, um, Cassidy, Vanna, you know, uh, lead us through. How does, how do you guys get to this place uh, where, uh, you know, what is your history that, that leads to this union ultimately being formed? Wow. Well, first of all, can I just say, like, run your little butts over to the Patreon because I hella want to listen to that. So I absolutely (laughs) will be joining. Um, Yeah, well, so I mean, I'm a bit of a union kid. My mom um, was Patco. Um, She was an air traffic controller during the large Patco strike of 1981. Yeah, some like OG. Whoa, that's big time. The the death of the uh, labor movement in America. (laughs) Truly. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just like Cassidy killed Bernie, my mom killed the union movement yeah yeah no yeah or was there when it died anyway yeah she was right you know she was con- when it was murdered by the reagan administration she was concurrently there yeah yeah she was an air traffic controller in yakima and olympia wow, that's so wild and helped organize her towers um and then ended up doing a lot of union work in the bay area while they were on strike um so, you know, she says that she's been on strike for 40 years this year. And so I, li- I like to <laughs> wow, say that yeah. I have I was born on strike and I'm still on strike. So that's kind of where like my union stuff comes from. My mom then went on to serve on the master executive council of the regional airline and here in the northwest that she was flying for. Um Likely the first woman to ever do that in America. Um, And now she's a shop steward Mm. at Boeing where she works. So, you know, kind of like a union household. Um, My dad was also a pilot. He was Alpha. Um, And so I just kind of like fell into the labor movement after college. And then I fell into campaign work because that's pretty similar. I think that young people often get really like enamored by electoral organizing. Um, And so I ended up working on campaigns and this last year, Mm -hmm. you know, with the pandemic and everything, it was just, I think it was just miserable for a lot of people. Um, And I was really lucky. I was running a state house campaign here in the 37th legislative district for Kirsten Harris tally. um, Awesome. Where I was like winning campaign. Yes. Very much a winning campaign um, with an awesome candidate. And I was one half of the consulting team and I did campaign management. And so we really just ran the campaign that we wanted Um, and, you know, with an awesome, you know, boss and great candidate. So we did. And an awesome youth organizing team, I must say. Props to our baby, Andrew. Go follow Andrew Hong on Twitter. Yeah. 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 Um, who, um, was a field organizer on our campaign and now organizes with the Emerald Youth Organizing Collective, which was formerly Youth for KHT. So, um, so yeah, just like a ton of campaign workers last year around August, um, started to get together over Zoom and because they were really pissed off. Um, Puget Sound Sage, which is a nonprofit um, based out of Seattle, was doing kind of this campaign worker solidarity cohort um, where people would meet every few weeks just to kind of talk shit and kind of bitch and brunch, sort of. Um, and then when I hopped on, 
oh my God, people were like mad. And as a, <laughs> as a labor organizer, I was like, my little Scooby-Doo ears went up. I was like, oh damn, like they're mad, you know? And when people are mad, mm-hmm. then you can organize. Um, and so we just, awesome. yeah, we just kind of went on from there. And then I roped Cassidy into it sometime around October. Okay. So Cassidy, um, yeah, t- you t- tell us like how you got to this point. Like what is your background in filthy dirty electoral politics (laughs) yeah totally so i have like before this and before the bernie campaign i had zero um union and labor organizing experience it was all campaign work so my first campaign um i was an intern on the raise up washington uh i-1433 initiative to raise the minimum wage and pass paid sick leave um and what's really funny about that is for the minimum wage initiative i was actually an unpaid intern um so i i started with um you, you know you you really care about what you were doing isn't that enough yeah I, I guess that's supposed to be enough right um you know paying you isn't a thing they have to do because uh we're passionate about the work and so that's what happens a lot of time to young people like me and we see it all the time is they want to change their communities they want to help people and so they sign up to do these things um and get exploited. Um, so that's where it started for me. Um, and from there I've been, you know, a field organizer, field director, campaign manager, um, you know, for local state, obviously for Bernie's campaign and every single candidate that I've worked for, um, has treated either myself or other staffers like shit. Um, whether it be like not paying us on time, not paying us at all, overworking us, yelling at us, um, the list goes on. And, you know, for a long time, because of the way that campaigns work, um, you know, a lot of the time you're like the only staffer, maybe there's like one or two other people on these local races. Um, I didn't realize that it was such a shared experience between people. Um, And Mm. when I got, uh, you know, obviously when I worked on the Bernie campaign um, and then, you know, being looped into this, it just, it was really, I mean, really fucking sad, but also like really eye opening to be like, oh, this is an industry wide problem that, you know, it doesn't matter who the candidate is, what the initiative is, what the nonprofit is. Um, Young people are being exploited in this work. Um, So, yeah, Vana hit me up in October and was like, yeah, like we have this organizing thing we're doing like around campaign work. I'd love to get you looped in. Um, And that's where it started. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wild so stuff. So you decided that the gang of young dweebs, uh, rats, <laughs> finks, dorks, freaks, strivers, uh, and cretins who, who make up uh, political campaign staffs, mm-hmm. yeah, need to, like, get to have some pervert solidarity together and <laughs> uh stand up for their rights okay i mean I, I you know i guess uh everyone deserves that i guess yeah i, guess. I mean we just like we decided that it didn't have to be that way anymore like what cassidy was describing about you know I don't know. There's something that happens to people's brains sometimes when they run for office and they truly just go like banana crackers. Like they turn into different people. And a lot of them have never directly managed anyone before. A lot of people have never been in a supervisory role in their jobs. I mean, when, (laughs) when the democratic party is like, 
recruiting, you know, uh, prosecutor, like Navy vets all the time. It's like, what kind of management style do some of these people have? Right. right? So, you know, I mean, with Kirsten, I think it's a great example of like, I had, you know, been managing her campaign for like seven or eight months. Um, and none of those things were happening in our campaign, right? Because we just didn't allow them to happen. Right. We had like a black queer femme candidate who's a fantastic manager. And it's like we just weren't running like that. And I had kind of seen the other side of campaign work at that point. And so when we all came together in the organizing collective um, through the Washington Campaign Workers Collective, you know, we were hearing a lot of stories that weren't like that. You know, people without health care, not having a day off in three months, being truly like, emotionally abused in their workplaces by some candidates, which is horrific. Um, And we decided that we were going to take it seriously too, which meant doing labor organizing. Like we weren't just going to send a strongly worded letter. Like we wanted to form a union. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So from there, like what we did first off is um, like all of this was happening during like election season GOTV. Um, and so the first thing we did is like, we teamed up with, um, Crosscut to do a piece on what we were doing. Um, and we dropped it. Wasn't it like a week before election day? Two yeah. weeks before? It yeah. was like nine days or eight days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it had like over 150 campaign workers, um, candidates who al- were allies with us, um, people like within the Democratic Party who allied with us, um, just people in our industry. Um, and it was basically like, to Tina Podlodowski to like the Democratic candidates saying that like enough is enough and you're going to give us these basic rights for workers. Yeah. And I want to like stress too that we went through about six to eight weeks of really pretty disciplined labor organizing. We first, we first did a commit card sign with our membership at the time. We then did a full strategy chart to determine who our targets were, what kind of tactics we were going to use, what they cared about. We did a full power map multiple times because our analyses had kind of shifted by the time we were ready to go live with the Crosscut article. Um, And we also developed, based on a, a, a member's survey, like an issue survey, we developed a campaign worker bill of rights, which was at the time, I think 10 or 12, like basic rights, like a day off a week, like healthcare coverage, um, blackout hours, blackout hours. Yeah, exactly. Like really fucking basic stuff. And that became our organizing document. And, um, and so we really were not skipping any steps. Like we went through all of our organizing and then like Cassidy said, we sent a letter to our targets addressed directly to our targets and then our secondary targets um we like cc'd them right so we basically cc'd consultants and we addressed directly like the leaders in our industry okay so like how are you what is the actual like organizing on an individual level look like like how are you finding these people how many people are we talking about in washington that's the target and of the core group that you have organized like what is what does that whole process look like that's a great question yeah well i mean one structural challenge that you know any um union with like a shifting membership faces is that just like it's sometimes hard to determine 
your unit of workers. But we did our best um, through word of mouth, going through the legislative districts, trying to figure out who's working on what campaigns. We basically just had a big old Excel spreadsheet. And if we had been able to meet in person, it would have been probably up on a wall. <laughs> and yeah. um, and then we just went through and tried to contact people, as many people as we could. And when we did get a hold of the campaign workers, we, um, again, had a very disciplined script that we were using. And it was the classic labor organizing script. We literally did a six-part script with a firm answer redirects, which are like answering tough questions and redirecting back to the union ask, um, which is what every labor organizer ever <laughs> like does. Um, it wasn't, there were no soft asks involved and we made sure to hit every single person with like multiple one-on-ones. Like we spent so much time on the phone. Yeah. And like, I want to stress like what that meant to like be someone who signed on to this um, letter to be like someone who was part of our collective. Um, like I said, like this was announced nine days before the election. And, uh, you know, I would say a majority, if not like just a lot of the people who signed on, they were people who were actively working on campaigns in that election cycle. And mm-hmm. so that was them making a statement to their boss. Oh, yeah. Um. So yeah, it was a really big fucking deal. Yeah, it was it was really crucial that we took a risk together collectively before the campaign ended. So some, yeah. some people, and by some I literally mean like two to three people out of like the 150 um, decided that they weren't comfortable with that strategy. They mm, just, yeah, they just were like, <laughs> and they, by the way, they were all people in safe races. <laughs> I was like, right. Yeah. I was like, y'all come on now, but losers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, some of them have come around, right. Because there's some like internal work that one has to do probably. Right. And, <laughs> sure. um, but you know, some people just were like not ready. And we also, as an organizing collective, had to be okay with saying, okay, you're not signing, then you have to leave the signal chat. Like, like we had to enforce our own boundaries. And like, it's kind of hilarious to look back that like, literally, the percentages that you typically get of like, quote unquote, scabs in like a regular union campaign, we literally got that exact same percentage. (laughs) It literally was like, under 5% easily. It was like maybe like 2% or something like that. So, um, but yeah, and we like risk bonds people, right? Like doing that letter was entirely imperative for creating the solidarity that ultimately created local 116. Yeah. Well, Cassidy, like, I wonder, is there anything in your background um, that prepared you for like taking a big risk like this near the like end of a like a really important campaign that you were committed in like were you like organized for solidarity even among the oh hang on sorry I'm I'm being handed in oh I'm sorry that's that's for the Patreon right that's right, for the Patreon yeah, yeah. never mind sorry no but when Vana asked me and Hart asked me like you know will you join our collective I was just like dude like I literally organized a sick out on the burning campaign I'm fucking in like. Come on. I remember that out. I remember too. I was like, um, I was talking to Cassidy in the, um, on the phone in the parking lot of the Safeway in Columbia city. And I, and I just was like, I think the phone kept kept cutting out too, because there's like, (laughs) there's like a fucking like police, like scanner thing in that fucking parking lot. And I was like, God damn it. You know, I hope she signs before I, you know, cut out again. 
Wow. Yeah. And that was, yeah, in October. Um, and I was the field director on Marco's campaign and I was just like, yes, I'm going to sign. And I put field director of Marco Elias's campaign. Um, but you know, on Marco's campaign, like we were, I mean, is he a good guy? Absolutely. But like we were told we were going to get paid biweekly and I went and me and my interns all went over six weeks without getting paid. Um, you know, and so like at that point, like not only was I ready to sign on, but like all of my interns signed on too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, there's, there's just like literally no excuse for that. You know, there's no, there's no excuse. And like that, that was one of those things that, um, you know, it's just, it was really pointless and dumb. And if there would have been a union, uh, contract there to just say like, Hey, you have to do this. It would have just fucking happened, you know? Um, but it didn't. That's like the point too, that like, I want to make kind of in this, right. Is that, you know, unionizing campaigns and having, you know, even just like one, two, four, six workers represented, like things don't get to that level. Right. Like if if Cassidy had not been paid, you know, in two and a half weeks and just like texted me and let me know, I would have been on the horn immediately to whoever's doing Marco's payroll and be like, what's going on? You know, and that like it just doesn't get to the point at which people are so like desperate and terrified to confront their bosses about, you know, everything from like benefits to payroll issues to hours to, you know, all of the stuff that is like really cuts at people's basic dignities. Like to have a union rep who can help you with that is priceless. And it makes the difference if people stay in organizing or not. Yep. Yeah. And again, especially for those units where like, you know, we're not talking these big campaigns where there's a bunch of people we're talking, you know, sometimes it's one person on a campaign, sometimes it's three or five. Um, And so in those sort of situations, if you're getting fucked over by a candidate and you don't have a union, who do you go to? Like you literally don't have, yeah, like that's literally what my, um, code of conduct said is like, if I ever have any issues to go to the consultant, I emailed the consultant. Do you think they did anything? Absolutely not. No, (laughs) they didn't give a shit. They probably just tipped off Marco and let them know. Like, (sighs) yeah, stupid. I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, no, I mean, yeah, no, but even like with our, uh, fucking, uh, 1099s that we uh, needed for doing our tax returns this season. Like I texted Vana and I was like, dude, me and my interns still haven't gotten our 1099s back. And she's like, oh, like I'll totally take care of it if I need to. Yeah. Um, and like, of course, like the next day it happened, luckily. But it's just like, yeah, having somebody to just be like, hey, like this is happening and she's willing to fucking go down for me. Like it's beautiful. Yeah. Also, because I'm like not afraid of these people, right? Like, yeah. like I was a consultant. I've worked in politics a long time. Like, if I haven't worked directly with this, these people, I certainly have worked peripherally with them. And, you know, having been a consultant, I just know what it's like. You know, I, I know that people are basically stringing together like like half a million to multi-million dollar startups that are supposed to last 11 months every single year. And it's just like, you would think that these systems would be better established by this point, And they just simply are not. And in lieu of the industry self-regulating itself, it's time that we have some accountability and yep. that's what we're here to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like all workers deserve to have yep. accountability through solidarity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So yeah, like I would say from like, um, yeah, October, November, when we did that initial, um, action, um, between then and like January is when we really like got to work on like, okay, what are the next steps? Like we've made our demands, but like, how do we make it actually happen? Yeah. And we did, we didn't really know who we wanted to partner with. We knew that the end goal was to create a union, but we had talked to a lawyer who said that it was going to be hard because everybody works on different campaigns. And then we had started to kind of think of, well, okay, you know, maybe if our lawyer's telling us, um, which by the way, the lawyer who like literally wrote the $15 an hour minimum wage, like was telling us this, you know, and he was just giving <laughs> <laughs> and Shama's personal, I think, uh, libel lawyer or something like that. But he, you know, his name's Dimitri and he's awesome. But he, you know, he was just telling us that like, it would be hard and we'd have to be creative. And so we thought, okay, well, we have to find a home where we can go be like creative. And it wasn't until we were just about to email the letter that I think Sunday, that maybe that Friday or Saturday, our homies at the M at uh, MLK labor, um, Nicole Grant and Katie Garrow were like, uh, Hey, why don't you talk to, IUPAT. And we were like, why would we talk to the painters union? <laughs> yeah. I was and, like, what? Yeah. I hear they paint houses. Yeah. Yeah. They sure do. And they sure, <laughs> <laughs> they sure do glaze too. Yeah. Um, and they dry, drywall, drywall yeah. all up in here. Um, and we were like, why? And they were like, oh, well, because they represent the staff of the Washington state democratic party. And we were like, okay, we'll give them our number. And um, my comrade, Liam, who worked with me on Kirsten's campaign is also former SEIU. I'm also, uh, I used to work at SEIU as well. She got this call from um, this guy named Phil at the Painters Union at IUPAT. And she was like, I just got this guy named Phil on the phone. Like, what the heck? And I was like, I don't know what he say. She was like, I don't know. He wants to meet with us. And so... Like, I think right after we sent in the letter to leadership, we met with IUPAT and we met with Phil, who was retiring at the end of the year. And then his uh, successor, Elizabeth, who's the director of government affairs. And is a homie. And is a hella homie. We love Elizabeth. Yeah. Former campaign worker herself. Like, she mm -hmm. knows what it's like. And she basically on the call was like, yeah, whatever you guys want, like, we'll do it. And then you can have your own local and like, whatever you want to do. And we were like, oh, um, okay, cool. Well, but like, we all have different employers. How does that work? And she's like, not a problem. Like all of our construction like workers have different employers, mm -hmm. right? And are constantly getting laid off. Yeah, and, yep. exactly. Yeah. And we, yeah. And we were like, oh, we're seasonal. And she's like, so are we. And we we're like, okay. And then we were like, well, but we want to do a hiring hall. And she goes, well, we have a hiring hall. And then, you know, just like every single thing, you know, that we wanted like a master area agreement, a template CBA, um, different tiers of like, you know, for interns versus full campaign staff, right? She was like, well, that's just a apprenticeship journeyman. And we were like, well, goddamn, like, <laughs> sounds like we are going with the painters union. They literally said yes to everything we wanted to do and more. And yeah. like, we're just so down to support and elevate everything we wanted to do. And so, yeah, it was just like after being told that it was impossible and to fucking have that, it was just, yeah, so rad. Yeah. It was like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they recognized that 
They recognize they our organizing. People. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that seems very key, right? Like it's one thing to be today as like a big union, what's left of them in America to go like, yeah, it'd be great to organize all these different industries. And but you really on some level, you need people who are on the ground to want to do it themselves. You need lead you need leaders to and organizers. You need organizers from within these actual industries to mm-hmm. To be able to some you need someone willing to be able to do the work who's actually like has connections on the ground. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, that speaks very well of IUPAT to have recognized that that is what was happening and want to put their muscle behind it. Yeah. I mean, I would say that's pretty much exactly what happened where um, Elizabeth in particular and the leadership at IUPAT, our business manager, secretary, treasurer, Todd Springer. Um, our number two, Lisa, like they just, you know, they looked at a bunch of like really ambitious, well-organized, predominantly young people. And they were like, yeah, we'll give them a shot. Right. And we'll give them resources and we'll believe in them. And I think it was a little, it's always risky, right. To start something new that's not ever been done before. And, um, it felt really validating to have like a major labor union kind of step up and say, no, you can find your home here. And we didn't know how lucky we were going to be that it was IU Pat. I mean, (laughs) IU Pat's like hella sexy and batty now. Like, yeah. Like just, just as they, you know, recognized our work, like they recognize DSA's work and they've been willing to like, you know, be so vocal about partnering with them on the pro act stuff. And IUPAT really has been leading this movement and campaign, um, around the pro act, just stuff like that. It makes me so proud and happy that that's who we ended up going with. Um, because like they're willing to fucking go all out for this sort of stuff. Like they're not one of those, shitty unions like we're all about it yeah yeah Yeah. i mean they um they're a bunch of you know finishing trades workers who like don't bullshit at all right like you know nobody's you know saying anything superfluous in my meetings day to day (laughs) you know it's just like you know people are down to business they know what they believe in they know what they want and um and yeah it's really exciting to have found our home here with all of the resources that come with it and also that we get a five state district council now like we get to organize in alaska washington oregon idaho and utah that rocks yeah it's wild we're going to be so. hitting up Salt Lake. Just watch out, everybody. Yeah. Provo hey. up in here. <laughs> awesome. Real campaign workers of Salt Lake City. Oh, my God. Yes. Dude, <laughs> dude, do not get me and Cassidy started on Jen Shaw. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> Truly. But, yeah. I mean, so, you know, like we, given our kind of like larger geographic footprint now, like we also get to organize other types of workers. Um, And I've been getting like, I think, (laughs) I mean, Cassidy's getting cold calls from campaign workers wanting to organize. I'm getting cold calls Mm -hmm. from folks who work at nonprofits and advocacy organizations wanting to unionize because um, there is a nonprofit workers union here in the Northwest. um, But our understanding is that they only organize workers above a certain like, um, like unit number. And so units that like fall below that number, like, um, Mm. we've been kind of getting those calls, which are really exciting because they're workers who work like 
at some political nonprofits, like, you know, maybe like environmental organizations, like things like that. So um, we get to kind of flex our organizing muscles into, into advocacy staff as well. Yeah. So who do you have so far? Well, we have, (laughs) (laughs) so we have campaign workers and campaigns in Spokane, in Seattle. We have folks um, in King County. We have people who are coming to us from out of Tacoma, Anchorage, Alaska, up in Bellingham and Bellingham. Yeah, Bellingham and Whatcom County. So we're really focusing on kind of cleaning up um, like all of the municipal races this year, which is super fun. And Mm -hmm. we'd hella be up in Oregon too, but they don't have elections in odd years. So, um, so we got to wait until next year. That's smart. I know. Well, hey, (laughs) hey, we don't, we want work year round now. Hey, watch out. (laughs) Oh boy. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, you know, might have to think about some strategies. I know. uh, We'll we'll work on mitigating that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but we also have the Oregon Democrats too. Oh yeah, yeah, we yeah, and we ha- we represent the staff of the Washington State Dems and Oregon Dems. Um, we also have a mayoral race in Anchorage. We do Forrest yeah. Dunbar, who actually mm-hmm. is an IUPAT member. We're very proud of mm-hmm. Forrest. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Yes, um, he's really cool, and I hope that he wins. His first election actually is Tuesday Tomorrow, of this week. The 6th, yeah, yeah, the sixth. Mm-hmm. So um, say a little little prayer for our union brother Forrest Dunbar running up there, but. Um, but yeah, and we have, like, I would say, I'm, I, I can't talk about them totally openly, but we have, we're, like, we have some fucking really exciting yeah. stuff that we're bargaining for. It's wild. Yeah. 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 Really it, cool groups. Yeah, yeah. With like organizations. So we're excited yeah. to keep working mm-hmm. with them for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yes. Exciting stuff. Um, and yeah, so one of one thing I want to highlight too is like, so the reason why we decided to um, go with IUPAT 116 as our local number is, um, yeah, we were doing like union card signups, like uh, commit to be like an associate member sort of thing. And by the time that like we um, got like all of our paperwork to the international union, like to actually um, form our local number, um, we had 116 campaign workers signed on and so we felt like uh, campaign workers and nonprofit workers actually too Um, and so we thought that like 116 you know IUPAT 116 that can always go back to the number of our founding members Um, so yeah Yeah. just a cute cute little origin story for us really poetic very cute yeah Yeah. and a funny anecdote if I may Cassidy about Mm -hmm. that Is that, is that, um, you know, I might have, you know, had a stroke blacked out or, you know, simply misheard, um, when Elizabeth, who's now my boss at IUPAT, (laughs) I asked her, Hey, like, you know, we want to charter local. How many cards do we need? And she said something and it clearly went into, she said a number, she said a number, certifiably (laughs) a number. And what I heard was 100. (laughs) And so I told everybody, I was like, yo, we need at least 100, which means we need more than 100. So we need to go get these and we need to get them in like four weeks, basically. And we had like four weeks over the holidays to go sign cards. And we did it. And then we ended up with 116. I turned them all into Elizabeth. And she goes, dude, you needed 25. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, are you fucking joking? (laughs) 
And so Vana calls me that day and she's like, dude, guess what? Like I was wrong about um, how many signatures we need. And I was like, wait, what? Like I thought she was going to say we needed like 300 or you know what I mean? Something like that. And then when she said 25, I was like, oh, okay. Like <laughs> rad. Um, well, so like, a good start. Yeah, exactly. We love it. Um, but yeah, since then, um, we've just been continuing to get more members signed on and like work with the international union to, uh, like get our bylaws. And we did an interim, uh, election, which, uh, resulted in me being the interim president. Our president. So, indeed. Yes. Yeah. And we're like really hail busy. To the chief. Hail to the chief. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey. Um, and we're just like hella busy, like with a ton of CBAs that are, you know, still being signed. We anticipate that, you know, folks kind of through June, probably like after filing week in May or, still going to be signing and staffing up. Um, and we have some mm-hmm. really great things that just come standard in our CBAs, which is like every person who's coming on board, unless they really explicitly bargain not to be, um, come on board as W-2s because there's a huge misclassification problem oh, yeah. no doubt. in our industry of people coming on as 1099s where people literally would end the campaign. They have no money and then they can't get unemployment. Yep. Yeah. And then they're really shit out of luck. Right. And people have been hiring them as 1099s because I'll be, I'll just be totally honest. Like some treasurers just don't want to do payroll. That's literally yeah. it. And yeah. I'm like, you know what? Sorry, but learn. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't care. Like I'll help you learn. Right. But like, you can pay for someone else to do it. Yeah. Too, like literally know. just like. get the free software that does payroll. Like it's actually not that hard. Um, And so, you know, we've gotten a lot of folks actually hired, which, you know, is really, really important for them, you know, over the November, December, like holiday season, right? Like that's happening now, which is really gratifying. Mm -hmm. And we're also getting folks like blackout hours, really generous healthcare stipends, which actually pay for real healthcare, um, which is awesome. And yeah, and we also did a a really rewarding workshop with um, many of our BIPOC union members around um, like security on the job and getting actually provisions in our CBAs around police not being called in nonviolent situations. Um, and also like bargaining for some really progressive hiring procedures that hopefully will result in like more p- poor and working class people getting hired because the hiring procedures are more favorable. Yeah. And I want to like really underscore that, which is like, not only is our industry just like fucked and how it treats workers, but the reality is, is that because of these conditions where people are underpaid, overworked, like they have to be put in these stupid conditions. Like it generally is wealthy white kids who end up on these campaigns because they're the ones who can, deal with it. Um, and so a lot of the time, yeah, like, you know, people who are actually in these communities that folks are running campaigns, you know, young people, people of color, they aren't the ones being able to run these campaigns. Um, so that's like a huge thing that we want to make a difference in is like not only making sure that there is like, like just better conditions in our industry, but just making sure that like, it's not just a bunch of fucking white kids running these campaigns. Yeah. I'm so fucking tired of working with people who like only have seen the West wing. 
And not that too, but also like a lot of these candidates, like they'll literally hire like their cousin or like, you know what I mean? Like they're, (laughs) they're not hiring actual like qualified campaign staff or people who like know what they know, like in their communities, like they hire people out of convenience or like somebody that they know. And like what we want to make sure is, you know, kids from community colleges are getting these opportunities and shit like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I will say too, is I just want to preface, I absolutely am CJ Craig, by the way. So I just, you know, I, I, I too have seen the West Wing. Um, but I know, I know self own over here, but, um, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) that is a common refrain. What Cassidy just said of like, well, if you have CBAs, like, you know, what happens if so-and-so wants to hire their retired neighbor to run their campaign and it's like okay you know what actually like god bless but first that job listing needs to go to the union hall so that our members have a fair shot and then also that weird you know that like you know such and such retired person who's going to campaign manage or your daughter or whatever like sorry but they need a they they need a union too like yeah. th- there's still a lot of abuse that happens even when you know the person and they deserve oh, all- no doubt. I know. Yeah. And there's also, they deserve all of our training materials too, because at the end of the day, like sometimes I do believe that the margin of victory has been won or lost on the experience of campaign staff here. And if they had some of the cool things that we're planning, like, you know, the apprenticeship programs, they might have actually pulled it out of the bag. So we just want people to win and be prepared and not have like a shitty time running campaigns with no support and nobody to turn to. Yeah. I mean, there was literally a meeting that we were in with like some, I don't know if it was like Washington Democrats or house Democrats, some shit. I have no idea who it was, but somebody (laughs) said to us, unironically they were like well what if my son like wants to work seven days a week on a campaign and we're just like babe like your son needs a day off it's like Like, it doesn't but and also (laughs) and conversely we have been in meetings with very senior political leadership here in the state who also don't get a day off and yeah, and yeah. I have we have looked at them in their faces on the little zoomy zoom screen and said I don't like we don't care. You also deserve a day off. Like this is not like at the end of the day about any one person. It's about yeah. all of us collectively. And like, you know, we might have thought that we were on other sides of the table, but <laughs> I really do think that we kind of like you know, got people to really like consider their own working conditions in some of these like really elite political offices where they were just like, wait, hold on, what? <laughs> no, and like in particular, there's been a couple people that it's like, they, again, they started as campaign workers and they've been exploited through their entire career and they've just landed these decent gigs and they continue to be exploited. Um, and so when someone actually validates their experience, it's like, whoa, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was literally like, I think a really big moment for our organizing kind of our ongoing relationship building and negotiations with some like of the industry leaders here to actually like have that very human moment with people, um, which was really nice. Um, but yeah, you know, we're, we're not only hoping to improve, the working conditions of like people who are currently in the industry, but we want to bring a lot of new folks into the industry too. And one exciting thing is, you know, we're going to be coming up with a, an apprenticeship program that's hopefully going to train and um, skill up 
folks uh, to go run really incredible winning campaigns from people who just like us who just aren't interested in gatekeeping anymore. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Cause I mean, like for example, whether it be like how to use um, the voter action network database and like how to cut turf or like how to, you know, do PDC reports, like all that sort of stuff. Like, that is information that is gate kept and that isn't accessible um, to a lot of communities and a lot of people. Um, and also a lot of the time what ends up happening is you get hired onto these campaigns and you just have to fucking figure it out yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was not formally taught how to use VAN, um, the voter action network, which is, yeah, it's basically like the database that every campaign uses uh, to contact voters. I wasn't formally trained on VAN until I worked on the Bernie campaign. Every other campaign, <laughs> I worked on it was just like here's your login figure it out that's just nuts it's so bad and it's like did I figure it out kinda (laughs) question mark like uh yeah so you know and then like I got actual training and it's like oh I can do this in like three clicks and not 25 wow Mm -hmm. um but you know so it's like if if these kids and these young adults were taught how to actually use these tools and like what knowledge they need for, you know, strategy building and, you know, working in their communities and that stuff, they wouldn't be playing catch up during the campaign. You know, they'd be able to just be running effective campaigns. So it's not just like, it's of of course for us, like as workers, it is about the workers, but the reality is, is like, a lot of campaigns are losing because they aren't investing in their staff. All they do is they throw money at consultants that aren't doing a lot for them. And they might bring on like one campaign manager and they don't have training. They don't have anybody to advocate for them. Um, And that leads to an ineffective campaign. Mm -hmm. So straight up, you know, when you frame it around the idea that this will lead to more winning candidates um, and campaigns, um, I think that's something that a lot of people can get behind. So, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> you've convinced me. If I ever run for office, I won't bitterly fight against my staff unionizing. Yeah, sure. Oh, I'm um, excited for your run for school board. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all are. Um, so, okay. Uh, that's awesome. This cool. You guys started a union. That's that's pretty dope. <laughs> more more people should do that. Um, can I just say so. I'm 24 too? Like, like this is this is not. Yeah, you can brag. It's cool. I mean, I'm just saying like <laughs> that people should be as ambitious as you want to be. You know what I mean? In terms of like organizing and like taking risks with your coworkers and being in collective with people, that it doesn't take some like seasoned. No. genius to do this it just was a bunch of us being like what the fuck like we can do this i don't know what the fuck i'm doing but like yeah I'm doing it. you know yeah. like we just we decided that something had to change and that we were going to try and do it and yeah. i mean there's- we know for a fact cassidy was high out of her mind 100 percent of the time this was being put together and look look how it's and look how it like it's turning out fine so just absolutely ripped on uh her like atomic you know genetically engineered ripped on democracy what the hell hell yeah yeah i told him what happened to emma where she like smoked half my joint and she was just like (laughs) i haven't been this high in years dude she was gone yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Whoops. So anyway, that should be an encouraging sort of. No, but can I just uh, say really quick, like every single yeah. union meeting, I'm smoking a joint or smoking my blunt <laughs> or a uh, bong because like I just that's like the t- type of union I want to establish is like we're fucking cool. Like, don't worry. Um, and just like come have fun and like organize with your fellow workers. So, yeah, you know, awesome. we're, we can be on camera or not. Right. So yeah, absolutely. All that kind of good stuff. Good. Okay. So this is all very encouraging. This is a, you know, a great story of people coming together in solidarity. We want more people to do that. We really need a seriously reinvigorated labor movement in this country. What can you tell us, Cassidy, Vanna, about uh, the PRO Act? We've talked about it before. What do we know any more about what's going on now? I mean, let's start with IUPAT. Like, they're pushing it, right? So what's going on with the organizing for it and how's it working? I Loki, I think that Cassidy's been more up on this than I have. Um, because you've been all up in those phone banks, you know, yelling at uh Kirsten Cinema's voicemail, which is pretty great. But <laughs> my understanding as of um this morning's like e blast from the international um out on the out on the East Coast was that, you know, it's still hung up in the Senate. Um and it's just not going to be able to pass unless we get rid of the filibuster. And there's all kinds of, you know, I don't know, negotiations and pressure um, to be exerted around getting rid of the filibuster, like either entirely or the talking filibuster or this or that, you know, all mm-hmm. of those ridiculous options. I don't know. Actually, Cassidy, do you have any more up to date? Yeah, I don't have anything super up to date beyond like um, the only a little bit of tea that I will spill is like on the DSA um, Pro Act Slack. Like I didn't see the original message because it got deleted um, and they were like, yeah, like it's not official yet, but like wait and see. But um, apparently another senator is maybe going to come out in support. Um, it just hasn't been made official yet. So that would put Joe Manchin, at- everybody. I mean, it might be. Well, it might be. Yeah, I don't know. Um, th- I <laughs> mean, that's, that's who one of our targets we'll has been. We'll um, but that would have that would put us at forty six, and yeah, we need fifty. So um, basically, what IUPAT fifty DS- plus like the yeah. will to get yeah. around the rules plus right? Kamala, uh, yeah, yeah, plus. Yeah. So yeah, so that seems like a, a steep hill. I guess what's interesting about the Pro Act, as it's been described to me by Cassidy and in other places, is that it does it's asking for a lot, right? It's like it's a like a laundry list of things that the labor movement has has wanted in various forms for decades uh, and some new things, which is great. It sounds like they're going big. IUPAT and other unions are, you know, really behind it. It seems like they've gotten the message, like, if this is going to be this fight where, you know, you need to have this filibuster bullshit and you can't even get all the Democrats on board anyway, why not ask for everything? Mm Mm-hmm. That yeah. sounds great to me. Maybe as a sort of a jumping off point to, for discussion for like what this means for the future, like I'll maybe correct a little bit. Like last time we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, we were mentioning, we were rereading an article that mentioned, and this has been a talking point from a lot of places that this will, uh, that this like rolls back right to work. And we kind of talked about what that meant and maybe did a disservice to our listeners because the way I described, you know, hearing that, what right to work mean, meant to me 
in sort of historically seems to be more expansive than what labor and the people pushing the PRO Act uh, mean by it now. It seems like when we're saying that uh, right to work is going to be rolled back by the PRO Act, what, what is meant by that is just um, maybe maybe it's like going back pre-Janus decision and bringing back um, fair share. Because uh, as, as I described it, as, you know, when we were talking about it, I thought, oh, maybe that means like, you know, you're going to if they really they roll back all the right to work laws from like uh, Taft-Hartley and uh, the later sort of uh, guttings of the Wagner Act. Um, that'll mean, you know, going back to like being able to have closed shops. Um, it doesn't seem like that is actually the case. So just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, that that is that is mostly right. And I would say that the distinction, too, is that there's um, there's a lot of laws that apply to public sector unions versus private mm-hmm. sector unions. So, like, for example, you know, the Janus decision that you were discussing that that's that affected public sector unions because mm-hmm. it did get rid of the really the representational dues, uh, essentially, you know, the the cost that folks used to have to pay um, to be represented um, by public sector unions. And, you know, I will say, too, in a little bit of a bright spot that after Janice here in Washington State, we didn't see like hardly any drop in public sector union membership um, or revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like a handful of drops here and there around the state. Um, but public sector unions are, you know, really holding their own here. So, you know, the PRO Act would make it really generationally much more easy to organize. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, too, I think it's important to mention that, like, even after Taft-Hartley, that was like the heyday of, a, of what we consider to be kind of like middle class American labor. Like they were still organizing under like those laws. Right. Yeah. And so there is a better world to be had even in the post 1948, like I would say probably pre Patco kind of like mm-hmm. era of labor. Now, is that the total world that we should be like visioning for? Probably not. Right. <laughs> I'd love me yeah. some 70 percent union density, you know, like that'd mm-hmm. be pretty great. Yeah. Um, but I really admire IU Pat and other unions and labor generally. And I will give a huge ton of credit to the AFL-CIO and our president, Richard Trumpka, who is leaving. I mean, they're leaving it all on the table. They, they, they were so, everybody was so pissed off during the Obama administration for like, literally like feeling like, you know, they were just groveling for card check. And it was like, are you joking? Right. So so they just were like, Yeah, they just were like, they just were like, we're going for it, right? And it's, they're going for it because it is, it is existential, like they're actually treating it like what it is, which is existential to the labor movement. And I'm glad for that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, I guess my question then maybe just as a, you know, a discussion point is like, what happens if this doesn't pass, because and let me propose that maybe it, while it's great that um, AFL-CIO, IUPAT are going all out for this and have put like this, there's a lot in this bill that's very good. I would love what I would love to see, I guess, is a labor movement that says, OK, the system of the NLRB, 
relying on the law and a federal agency to protect uh, union power, to allow it to uh, be organized, has ultimately been a poison pill. I mean, this has been argued since the very beginning, since the 30s, that this is a possibility and like all along the way. But um, if this if this works, if they can get this through and uh, and a uh, and you know democratic administrations enforce it, uh, that it may be one path forward to growing a labor movement. But if this fails, I think to organize people are going to have to just start thinking outside of the NLRB framework and just you know taking worker power outside of that without uh, recognition by the federal government. I think that that could be a future, and I think that another path could be too is that you'll just we will start to see a lot more quote-unquote illegal labor actions yeah um where currently the nlrb enforcing the nlra the national labor relations act is enforced by the board um that you know there's a pretty narrow definition of strike and there's an Mm -hmm. even more narrow definition of what's a protected strike and you know, as a labor organizer, like I do firmly believe that no strike is illegal, that I think that if workers want to come together and collectively withhold their labor, then God bless. Um, and no agency can really adjudicate that, um, in terms of, (laughs) you know, the core morality and dignity that people need to feel. Um, so I, and the power take the, it's just the the taking of power, you know? So I, I hope that regardless of what happens with the pro act, if it passes, if it doesn't pass, that people will start to, and really take seriously striking that, you know, I mean, we've seen more strikes, you know, Mm -hmm. now in the last few years than we have in the last four decades. And I think the only way to continue to grow the labor movement, regardless of what, kind of laws are instituted is to organize for strikes, go on strikes, not be afraid of going on strikes, and you'll have to go on some illegal strikes, quote unquote. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's just the only way that we're going to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're going to send the cops after you, but, yeah. uh, you know, they, they and are. you're going to, the NLRB is going to end the, you know, Democratic politicians probably going to turn their backs on you, but they've already done that. So what about this, though? Well, just speaking, uh, speaking as observers here, what do you think the potential is for any any big strike action for the PRO Act or any big labor like action like that to get it passed? Like, obviously, we're not at that point yet because they're still doing the sort of politicking of this. But like, are they do we think they're, that the labor movement as it exists is that serious about getting this done? Yeah, allegedly, I don't know, again, I don't know, like, the details of it yet, but allegedly, um, May 1st, May Day, um, is the pro-act day of action, and so that's when some direct action is going to be taking place. Cool, great. I certainly hope that some people go on strike. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that would be really fucking cool, but also, too, you can't... Going on strike on May 1st or going on strike for the PRO Act would have required a year or more of organizing your units to 100% strike readiness. And people just 
you know, haven't totally, right, been running unions with total strike readiness when in a perfect world, of course, we would all be ready to go on strike at any given time, right? Yeah. Um, but that's just kind of not the structural reality of it. Yeah. Now, I hope that realizing how strategic a strike would be in order to get something like the PRO Act passed will encourage people as organizers and member leaders to you know, come up with a plan to organize for over the long, over the medium term. Yeah. Well, and you know, it really doesn't take that long to organize a unit for strike. I mean, it takes, you know, you could take a anywhere from six months to a year and just like any union that you don't feel is totally like representing you, right? If you have some kind of anemic union, right? Like you can, as a member, you could totally like revitalize your union within a year or two. Um, the Chicago teachers revitalized their union in like three years. Mm-hmm. So um, it can really be done and it doesn't actually take as long as people think it does. Yeah, it takes work uh, and, yep. and motivation, I guess. Like if uh, if it gets to that point, if the PRO Act really dies in the Senate and it's really put to bed, maybe I would like to see um, that sort of stuff start happening over the next year. I know. You I know, can't wait to go on strike. Point. <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell Elizabeth Cassidy I'm going I on know. strike. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's always just like, let me know like whose porch you need me to chain myself to because like I'm ready. <laughs> I really am always ready for good direct action. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So the last thing we want to talk about is what's going on at uh, my neighborhood grocery stores. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was outside. Someone was tabling outside for members to sign a petition to put employees on the board. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not a member, but it sounds great, which, you know, I, I shop there so much now because they're the closest stores. I should have <laughs> I should have I should have bought the membership like two years ago, but it would have been worth it by now. But now I'm looking ahead like I might stop shopping there any day. I don't know. So I I'm, <laughs> no, I <laughs> the hell? where would where would you get your Marcona almonds? Good Lord. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it just happens to be like in walking distance to my house or I wouldn't pay the prices. But um, <laughs> but I was walking away from that interaction thinking, why are you asking members to sign your petition? Just if you I didn't even know they had a union. If I, I was thinking to myself, why if you're organizing a thing like this, why don't you get all your employees you're organizing with to pay the 60 bucks, join the mem- join the co-op and take over the fucking board. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what part the, uh, maybe you can tell me, Vana, what part the initial petition had in, had. Maybe that was sort of an initial, like, uh, strategic action. But isn't that kind of exactly what the fuck they're doing? Okay, yeah. So, okay, first of all, I am a member of PCC. Um, very proud co-op member. And I joined specifically because I knew that it was like one of my several union grocery stores. Um, UFCW 21, United Food and Commercial Workers Local 21 here in Washington State represents folks at like QFC, Safeway, and they represent people at PCC. Um, And so as a member of your co-op, like you get to vote for the people on the board every few years. And the board, just like any, I I think, just like any like nonprofit or co-op thing, like approves collective bargaining agreements, right? They have been 
pretty, uh, frankly, like I think kind of against like the CEO has been hugely against like the hazard pay. They were, they were forced to, um, they were forced to accept it ultimately. But what was happening, my understanding of what was happening outside of your friendly neighborhood grocer was, um, the workers were forced to get a petition to even get their preferred worker candidates able to run that typically like when you want to run for the PCC board, because I looked into it because I literally (laughs) thought, Oh, how funny would it be if just like I ran and I'm just like, I basically salted like the board. (laughs) Right. Uh Cause I'm just, I'm just a nice white lady from Columbia city. I mean, I was like, they wouldn't know any different. Right. Um, (laughs) And, and I didn't see any petition requirement. I could be wrong, but basically the board made these workers get a freaking petition to even get their candidates on the ballot, which is super unfair. And wait a minute, but you don't have to do that to just be a person to run. I don't know. I, I think so my understanding and also for folks too, if you want to like have up to date, um, news about this, go ahead and follow Joe Mizrahi on Twitter. Who's the secretary treasurer of USAW 21. Who's very active and, he will, I'm sure, be posting updates um, that uh, UFCW 21 workers were in t- like had the option for two worker spots on the board. Um, and anyway, they got forced to do a petition process to get their candidates to run. So they had sp- slots on the board in the contract just for being just reserved for workers. I don't know. There was there was a tweet that I saw that intimated that but i'm not entirely certain um but the long and the short of it is is that they had to do a petition when previously Mm -hmm. i don't think that's precedented um and now there are two awesome folks running um for that spot and voting actually begins friday the 9th so this coming friday if you are a pcc member join me and log on and vote for the worker candidates whose names I will definitely find in just a moment. <laughs> we'll we'll okay, put yeah, it in the show there's notes. There's a PCC yeah. progressive voter guide. Yeah. Okay, well, here's what I would say is like, um, if I was the union, I would just be like, let's all become members and just overwhelm them. You know, overwhelm all the like uh, Queen Anne shoppers who are who have memberships and just like get every employee who's unionized to to join as a member regardless of being an employee and then run on a slate of uh of employees but you know um maybe they're trying to go about it like the uh the above board way or something i don't know i don't know i think there was a um you had to have become a member by like a certain time uh, yeah. and, and to so vote or yeah to, run. to vote yeah uh, yeah and so so for for, for the future this should be their first yes. round, and then, then in it, you know, three <laughs> years from now or whatever, they should just completely take over the board, having everyone in this action like gotten wise and joined as co-op members. Then, then in a few years, the workers can just take take over the entire chain, fire the the executives and appoint themselves. Yeah, we would love Beautiful. that. Yeah. yeah. So it looks like you would have had to become I might have a member. To join. 
do it. No, literally. Yeah, absolutely join. It looks like this was you had to become a member by March 4th. And please join me in voting for Lorraine McIntyre and Donna Rasmussen. Beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, we, we endorse the workers. <laughs> the official cool. awesome. mechanical freak endorsement. We love it. That's a fun story. Um, love to see uh, workers trying to take over their uh, workplaces. Their fucking co-op. Um, it's a co-op, yeah. Yeah. for God's That's sake. This is one of these things where, like, you know, progressive, uh, like, lib, urban, like, thinking leaves, like, the door open for socialism um but they'll try and stop you along the way but this might be these cops i mean you might be able to do the same thing with like rei too right like probably what if you really tried if they really tried an organizing thing like if they really tried like asked all the members to join so that next time around what they do is in the meantime they would completely restructure the entire co-op so that it wasn't a co-op anymore in the meantime but like <laughs> still a good idea still worth trying i think oh yeah know? one of totally. the one of the freaking um neo libs probably up up on the uh, pcc board Catherine walker who's the incumbent who i got a freaking email blast for from the board <laughs> the board yeah. sent me an e-blast with Catherine's little face on it saying vote for Catherine." and i was like uh no i'm not voting for loray and donna but wow. um um, Catherine was for over 25 years, I do believe, the senior vice president and general counsel for REI, retired. And she was oh, also wow. former REI board of directors eight years. So they have a longstanding relationship with very corporatized co-ops, it looks like. Yeah. Wild. Cool. Well, if you're working for a co-op out there anywhere, organize your uh, em- your fellow employees, your fellow workers. Everybody join. Take them over. Uh, kick out all the execs. And it if anybody like ever like wants to organize, like whether you're a campaign worker or not, like hit us up and like we would love to just like give you advice and help and like maybe organize with us. So yeah, DMs yeah. always cool. open. Always. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Vana, for coming and hanging with us, um, telling us all about this stuff. Uh, again, everybody tune in um, uh, to the Patreon to hear Cassidy's tales of how she brought down the Bernie campaign. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks again, Vana. Thank you, guys. Oh, my gosh, this is so thanks. fun. Appreciate you. Bye. Awesome. Bye, everybody. Bye.